0: Hello, and welcome back to the Relationship Matters podcast, World Work Special. In this collection of bonus episodes, we're looking at the concept of world work, which embraces the idea that we're continuously impacting the world, whether we're conscious of it or not. Whilst world work can involve big acts of altruism and community spirit, it always starts with the self. Across the course of these four bonus episodes, you'll be hearing from four world workers from across the globe who have all used Ors tools in very different ways to serve their wider communities. In this episode, I'm talking with Jess Sedler about how she's blended her background in performance and music with systems coaching to create what she has categorized as a TED Talk cabaret. Jess is a certified Ors coach and facilitator working in both private and non-for-profit sectors. Through her brand, self and system, she coaches leaders and teams, as well as family systems to develop their relational intelligence and build strong and intentional communication skills. Jess originally trained as an actress, which helped her work practically and holistically with clients in terms of their impact. As an actress, she worked in theatre in the UK and around Europe, and co-founded cabaret ensemble The Ruby Dolls, and together they have written, performed, and produced five full-length cabaret theatre shows in four-part harmony to sold out audiences across London, as well as critically acclaimed runs at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. So without further ado, I bring you the very talented Jess Sedler, talking about Blending the worlds of cabaret and systems coaching. Jess, welcome to the Relationship Matters podcast. Thank you. So nice to be here. Absolute joy to have you on the show. I think your World Work project is perhaps one of the most creative I've ever come across. You call it a TEDx cabaret and you blend your experience as a performer as a way of exploring relationship systems work. So perhaps you can talk to the Relationship Matters listeners a bit more about why you mix the world of Orsk and theatre and what inspired that.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's so lovely to be here. I I listen religiously. So it's really nice to be a guest. Thank you. Yeah, I'm calling it, I kind of made up a genre, like you said, TED Talk Cabaret. And I should say upfront that it wasn't an official TEDx talk. But like I say, it's it's a genre that I made up. And when I was thinking about the World Work Project that I wanted to do sort of seemed natural to go, well, let's combine my experience as an actress and a singer and as a writer with my experience as a trainer. So standing in front of large groups of people talking about the importance of relationship. And then of course, as a newly qualified systems coach to bring that in too, partly so I could and communicate some of the theory behind systems work, but in a way that felt personal, in a way that felt communal, in a way that felt almost otherworldly, which is, I think, what happens when you attend a performance or a cabaret where there's song and story, it takes you to a different place. So you're not just attending a lecture on systems work, you're in a cabaret room with small tables and candles and the atmosphere that that evokes. And part of that was also about me revealing some of my personal story too. I love that you're
0: using The medium of theatre to explore systems work further because I've always felt like theatre gets branded as something for entertainment Mm. but really great theatre it teaches it educates and it gives you an experience and I think it elevates the education because you're in it and you really do create that for your audience right from the get-go it was just such a fun innovative way of I think delivering some of these quite tricky concepts, they're not easy to to necessarily get if you're just reading it on paper.
1: Yeah. And I, I wanted to blend a number of different elements. So, you know, part of it was an unapologetic, here's a three-step model that I've created for anybody to enhance the emotional intimacy in their relationship. So that it was very, here's the educational bit, here's the TED talk bit, but also here's the camp kind of cabaret vamp bit. Here's the folk tale that I've written that represents the story of me and my partner. I'd only just recently fallen in love with my fiance, Adam, and I I wanted to show the vulnerability of that and the personal journey that I'd come on. There were also interwoven recorded voices because before the show in preparation, I asked, I think it was 63 people, the same question. I asked them, when do you feel seen? And that then helped me pull out what emotional intimacy really is. And they gave me permission to play back some of those recordings. So it's a kind of tapestry of different elements that hopefully, like you say, really do transport people and allow the systems principles that we know and love to land in a different way.
0: I love the the title, Do You See? And you open the show with that hilarious song, I See You, I See You with my pointy witchy face.
1: a bit more about this song. I died watching this <laughs> your listeners can't see the fact that I do actually have quite a pointy face <laughs> And that's what happened. I was in rehearsals with um, my wonderful theatre director, Imogen Bond. And in order to create the show, we spoke a lot about emotional intimacy. You know, we started with ourselves and we started with our relationship. In fact, one of a fellow Oscar coached us on our third entity in order to be able to do this work. And I said to Imogen, when you look at me, what do you see? And she said, "Uh, you can be quite pointy. And I said, what? I thought I was soft and cuddly and warm (laughs) and yes she's partly referring to my rather pointy features which I do have but she was really talking about how pointed I can be in my observations and uh, in the way that I sometimes am in in all my relationships I suppose as many of us coaches are we spot stuff and we point things out in a way that isn't always wanted so I played on that in that opening number and it's Called, yeah, The Witchy Cabaret Coach. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: Witchy Cabaret Coach. I need that on my business card. What a title! <laughs> <laughs> With scalpel and sword,
1: dissect your inside parts. And you got nice Good. Come now, little ones. It'll be fun. Explore.
0: The way you, because you weren't just putting on a character, you were very much stepping into Jess, um, all of your parts of self. Yeah. So, how was that to, to really embrace that in front of an audience?
1: Yeah, such a great question. And you and I have talked a lot about this, haven't we? Different parts of self as what that means when you're an actress, but also just as a human being is such a big part of Orsk. So, yeah, my witchy cabaret coach is a part of myself. But I also in the show explore what I call my empty lady, my inner poet um, and other other parts. It was quite liberating, actually, to go. There are these parts and many more. And I'm not having to just be one thing. I get to play with some of those parts and offer them out. And also in the show, I was actively encouraging with that kind of more educational voice, people to reflect on parts of themselves and the parts that they then may want to bring to relationship. I love that. It was great that I got to do it through song as well, of course.
0: (laughs) It definitely makes it lighter. And I think song and laughter, comedy, they're all great ways of not diffusing tension, but just making things sometimes a bit more accessible. Yeah. Because parts of self can feel quite intense and intimidating and scary. Yeah. But you played with it and you showed us that there's Good and bad to all of these parts. And Mm. I'm sure it was refreshing not to have to be just the nicey nice person, but to have these these darker
1: characters and these deeper parts of self too. Yeah, absolutely. I was, you know, there is a real earnest part of me, uh, that (laughs) aspect of self that I'm really aware of. And I all the way through the process, along with Imogen, my director, and Ross Lorraine, who is the musical director on the show, I kept saying, you know, if you spot that, let's let's encourage that to back off a little bit. Um, because I really wanted that lightness and that sense of fun and that sense of playfulness because actually if we I'm not sure that we can look at aspects of self without that sense of curiosity and playfulness I wanted to be able to explore that within myself and in order for my audience to be able to explore it within themselves in that spirit
0: so would you say that the cabaret explored sort of the three levels firstly that relationship with self and all of the parts that show up and then relationship with other and then the wider world.
1: Yeah, definitely. In fact, I shall confess right now, we did the string exercise. Thank you, Orsk. (laughs) We did do a version of the string exercise. It was delightful. Uh, Every audience table, little cabaret tables, had a little pot in the middle with a mini placard that I'd created with the song that everybody sang together communally at the end, a little protest song that they could wave their placard to, which was a really lovely moment. And also a bunch of ribbons, silk ribbons. So I, I made it much more, I suppose, tactile, nicely tactile than just a bit of old string. But yeah, we explored um, as we would in, the, in a training room with a with a business team. We used the string exercise to look at relationship with self between two hands and then that people linked their ribbons with one other. And then before we knew it, we had the whole floor of the cabaret space with little webs of ribbon as people connected to others that they'd not even met actually
0: that was such a beautiful moment of the show and what I loved was then it wasn't just you speaking outwards it wasn't that standard keynote one way it was a a dialogue Mm. between you and the audience and they were very much a part of the show and it made me think about how we could use these creative ways of doing the exercises in corporate so that they're more light and fun and easy and yeah more
1: accessible maybe the answer is to sing more I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I always feel like life should be one big musical. I feel like it would be a lot more fun. <laughs> exactly.
1: Well, and it was important. I knew that the climax of the show was what I was, good, what I'm calling or what, what I called a live intimacy experiment. So the show wasn't just about intimacy and how to cultivate it, but actually the real question was, could we do it between us here tonight as a group of strangers? So I knew that that's where I had to get to. So the earlier I could involve people and invite them into the space and feel like an active part of the show, the better, just like you would with a team. You know, the longer you talk as a trainer or a coach, the more passive they're likely to become. So I think my director and I really built in those stages to be able to get to that final point where I placed the microphone in the audience and ask them a question and invited them to step up to the mic and answer it. Live
0: intimacy experiment, what a wonderful description for it. And I'm sure you had to get so vulnerable with yourself then and notice when ego in an unhealthy way was showing up. And I'm sure it was such a a journey of self-discovery for you as much as it was for the audience
1: it was you know and most I suppose uh, maybe us as coaches most of us would like to think we are quite self-aware and we're aware of our inner processes but somehow making writing and making a show and putting it out there takes it to a whole new level <laughs> um, and I really had to look at the ways in which I was not able to be intimate with others, you know. I I'll be vulnerable right now and say I fell in love really late in my life, and I met my partner when I was 36, and I for a long time wondered why that was. Why Why was it so difficult for, for me to fall in love? And the show is partly about that. The kind of, some of the defenses that I'd built up around myself and what it took to break them down and I told that story not directly like I said earlier I told it through a kind of folk tale or a, a parable of these two creatures that I called the meerkat and the ostrich and then it's revealed <laughs> at the end spoiler spoiler <laughs> alert that um, it is exa- it is me and Adam the ostrich and the meerkat went to the Cambridge Folk Festival <laughs> And so I felt like that was another way I earned the right to then invite the audience to be intimate with me. Um, But yeah, even that, putting the mic in the audience and go, okay, don't know what's going to happen. Maybe no one will come to the mic. How will I manage that? Ah, uh, even that was quite exposing. Yeah. The question is, what do you see in another that you want them to know? It could be about somebody that you came with tonight, someone sitting next to you. It could be about someone... 5,000 miles away and I know it's pretty packed in here so if you're sitting away from the mic uh, and you want to have the courage to say something I'm sure people will let you through there's no rush.
0: To explain that what were you asking them when you gave
1: them the mic? Yeah so the show begins with this question when do you feel seen and we hear from some of the voices I'd asked and recorded Um, I give my response to that And then by the end of the show, after the folk tale, we come to this question of, well, are you willing to see? If we know what it takes to feel seen and why we like that, how do we see other people more actively? I take them through these three steps that I created. And then the question is, who is it that you see right now? And what might you want them to know? What do you see in another that you might want them to know? And people stepped up to the mic and either talked about people that they came with, that they wanted to acknowledge in some way, or people that weren't in the room. Um, And it was very moving. I see my mum
0: trying desperately hard to be a granny and a mum and not piss me off. (laughs) I see my grandfather, who I missed the opportunity to tell this to. I see how terrified he was and how strong he was to keep it together and carry on being just a cantankerous bastard (laughs) for all our sakes, right
1: up until the end.
0: (laughs) What's really interesting as well was what you said around how in being vulnerable yourself, you created trust and a space for the audience to be vulnerable too. It's almost like a silent DTA of what's acceptable. You, you set the bar. Yeah. I'm just wondering if you've translated any of that into your coaching—that sort of level of intimacy going in to create a different space to work in.
1: Oh, good question. I think so, and I think I think that's a journey that I'm still on. I'm I'm still building up my. Skill, I think as a systems coach, I'm very much working as a systems coach with couples and with teams, but I I'm still on that journey. I think of entering that space as a real person. Mm. Uh, there's still a voice inside my head that says I need to bring value. I need to, et cetera, et cetera. And actually the more I can remind myself to be open and vulnerable as appropriate, right. To uh, Cause we still want to create safety for the people that we're working with. Then maybe that i I can be role modeling that for the for the sake of the team or the couple that i'm with do you find that too when you're working with your clients? Yeah, when you said real person, then it made me think about.
0: When I was acting, I think the the listeners know I had a background like yourself and I had my acting voice and I remember a coach pointing it out to me. They were like, just, just talk as Katie. And I went to do the Shakespeare voice. And I (laughs) wonder whether there's a part of me as well that still does that for coaching. You know, now I'm coach Katie, not just Katie. Mm. I'm switching my voices quite literally into my, my acting voice.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And maybe we're not even aware that we're doing it. And I just a real practical example of that. I'm, For example, I'm still learning to find language to describe systems work and or principles that is my language I can still spot moments where I feel like I'm quoting bits of the textbook or other Um, I'm an avid systems reader which is useful because I'm expanding my knowledge and my uh, awareness but if I'm not careful large chunks will just come out as quoted and I have to I have to work actually quite in, quite consciously to go. No, hang on a minute. What what does it mean to me? What's my what are my words for that? What's a really uh, straightforward example of that? I'm still working on that. And I mean that's really meeting the system
0: where it's at. Yeah. And and that's. Back to that vulnerability piece you were talking about in the show. Yeah, it's being really vulnerable with what well, this is who I am. <laughs> Here we are.
1: This is who I am. This is what this means to me, and that's that was the joy of creating this show. It was such an opportunity to go. Okay, so what does it really mean to me? You know, I've done I've done the training. I've paid the money. I'm, I've done my hours, but actually, fundamentally, I suppose, in essence terms, what does it really mean, and how can I? speak from that place so I watched the show back I've got some footage of it and it was only 18 months ago but I was struck by this woman that I was watching who who was so sure about how meaningful this stuff is and it's not that I don't find it meaningful anymore but I guess the world has changed quite a lot in 18 months and just watching just watching 60 people in a room laughing and singing together um, brought a tear to my eye yeah
0: I mean the world definitely has changed a lot and I hope we can get back to those those group settings again because there was something so powerful about the way you got everyone singing at the end. I mean, that's no easy task. And you really brought the room together through song.
1: Yeah, oh, thank you. And I, it's um, you know, we know that it's a powerful thing to do, don't we? And it, but it's also personally meaningful. I've grown up with singing and I've always felt most in a way, most connected to other people when I've been singing with them. Yeah. And so I knew, that, like I was saying earlier, this climax of the intimacy experiment, people really showing their vulnerability. And then I the next step felt the next natural step was, well, let's then all come together through song. Uh, so I taught I taught people in the moment a couple of lines from this what I was calling a protest song. And yeah, and we and we sang together. It was it was pretty rousing. Um and even in tune, which was it's always impressive. <laughs> <laughs> As you turn appreciate, find what you can You can do a strong harmony, I'm sure. Are you ready? Let's have a practice.
0: those things we used to do historically as a part of being a human being and yet we've become so sort of trapped by oh it has to be good or oh, I'm, I'm not a singer that we've stopped singing together much at all and I know from singing in a choir gosh it's just such a wonderful way to lift yourself up particularly through dark times and I, I sometimes don't talk to anyone when I'm at choir we just sing <laughs> and I'm connected to these people
1: through that joint voice that we create it just remind me of that brecht quote in the dark times will there be singing yes there will be singing about the dark times i hope i hope i've quoted that right but uh, it just reminded me of that that that's what we need right now and that's the, that's one of the, the sadness of lockdown that we can't get together and zoom uh, whilst it's brilliant in many ways it hasn't quite got the technology to <laughs> enable collective singing not just yet anyway Um, yeah that's one of the first things I'm going to be doing when we when restrictions are lifted
0: yeah and talking about that last protest song the line there is music in the space between when we look when we look and we are seen can you talk more to that Jess
1: yeah yeah it's one of the first lines that came to me so I wrote five original songs for this show and I guess it was back to the string exercise it's about those three levels isn't it and it's about what we co-create as, as as we know as Oscars and what can start to manifest in that space between us when we put our attention on one another in ways that are constructive yeah Oscars taught me so much about the space between to look there I think we're in our individualistic society we're often conditioned to look at ourselves and at other people but we only see these individual bodies and, and no one until I, I found Orsk had invited me to look at what we what happens between us mm. and that's also where music lives too I think. I love that word music
0: because it sounds active and alive and and sort of a, a dance; it's not static and stuck in one way, and that is relationship, right? It changes moment to moment, and we have to keep keep aware of it as coaches if we're going to work with that system in front of us.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Something is always emerging, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering what was your biggest takeaway from the performance?
1: Oh, my biggest takeaway. I was very touched by the people who were courageous enough to stand up at the mic and talk about someone that they saw and what they saw i also got an email from i say he's a colleague of mine that came to the show that i i was surprised he came to be honest he's He's not one for emotional intimacy, I would would, would have thought. But be careful what you assume about people, right? So he came and then he sent me this email telling me how touched he was by the show and that he'd also had a tough year that his mum had passed away. And his wife had been a huge help to him and a real support. And he'd had a thank you card in his bag for about three months before the show. And he wanted to send this thank you card to his wife. And he just couldn't find the words. He didn't know what to say. And he said that the show had enabled him to find the words, write the card and give it to his wife. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. wow. Just just for that, I'm glad I put in the months of work. Because that's, that's, yeah, that's really what I set out to do, to help people along that path of creating connection. Yeah, you're...
0: That's so powerful (laughs) and we so often feel alone in our our struggles or our pain or our worries and if I've learned anything from coaching and your show someone else out there is feeling the same as you Mm -hmm. and the more we we can talk up the more we can connect and then not feel so alone in these
1: these issues yeah this human experience exactly yeah exactly the the web of connection is always there and that we just need to see it, see that space between us. But also, you know, I, I gave people three practical steps of things that they could do. It doesn't need to feel intangible that there are concrete things we can do to, to build more intimate, more connected relationships. And that's why I'm a systems coach. Can you give us a top-line summary of those three things? I sure can. They're certainly not um, rocket science, and uh, it's my version of principles that are already out there. In fact, the first one really is borrowed from John Gottman's work, so everyone will know this. I call them turn toward, find right, and play big. Turn toward, as we all know, rather than turn away, rather than um, wanting to kind of push away the discomfort, actually really being with it and looking at it and going, what can this teach me? And applying finding right rather than finding wrong, rather than blaming or judging. Actually, what can I acknowledge in myself, in the other? Everyone is right, partially. Um, And lastly, and I'm proud of this one, playing big. So bringing different aspects of self to the relationship. Maybe not just bringing the usual part, but what else might be useful here that the relationship might need or might benefit from turn toward, find right, play big. I love that. That needs to be on my wall. What a <laughs> wonderful mantra to live by and to
0: coach by, of course. Particularly love the play big because I think it is very easy to stay in your comfort zone. And, you know, as a coach, is that always serving our clients by just staying safe, maybe bringing the lines raw Yeah, and creating Disruption is what's needed here.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I, I was thinking about it in terms of personal relationships, but absolutely with our clients, I'm thinking of a, of a difficult team that I'm working with at the moment. If I said to myself, if I could play big in the next session that I have with them, what, what might that look like? It's a really useful question.
0: Yeah. Gosh, you have such a range of fearlessness. And I'm just so intrigued to see where sort of you'd like to take this, this work, this TED talk cabaret.
1: What's next? Mm. I'm editing a little trailer of the show for people to, to see to see get a feel for it and then post in a post-covid world who knows there may be another iteration of it I took it to a jazz club in London that's where it was performed originally but really it could exist anywhere it could go to people's living rooms people's boardrooms Uh, who knows
0: we will definitely be posting that link to the trailer in the show notes for everyone interested thank you so much for bringing that gift to our community
1: oh my pleasure thank you for letting me talk about it it's a a real treat thank you thank you jess and i so look forward to seeing
0: where this takes you next yay me too (laughs) thank you katie I want to say a big thanks to Jess Sedler for sharing her wonderfully creative World Work Project, which we hope has inspired you to think outside of the box in terms of how you can use these tools and concepts to impact your community. CRR Global holds all students as change agents and trains them to be conscious of what impact they want to make in the world. We believe that everybody's impact, whether conscious or unconscious, sends ripples out into the world. It's up to all of us as world workers to keep our communities safe and healthy. The World Work Project is a key element in the all-certification journey. For more information about world work and certification, do check out crrglobal.com. And make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you never miss an episode. From the living room to the boardroom, we believe relationship matters.